hello 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 how's it going guys good evening oh it's 12 o'clock right now as i'm recording this so morning i guess it's 12 a.m morning technically it is isn't it when does morning actually start who knows anyway good morning how you guys doing welcome back to my podcast i've been um doing some exciting new things actually which i will be going a bit more into later when that comes out but um i wanted to talk today about free speech because it actually occurred to me i haven't really talked about this and the first chapter of my blog i was talking about free speech because i read a case that it kind of outraged me i mean i don't remember how i always was on the issue of free speech I guess I never really thought about it that much, but I always just thought it was a bit of a, obviously it's a bit of a sticky subject, but over the past few years, months and years, I'll say, until recently, I've kind of, I think, crystallized my position on free speech, and I think I'm going to be sharing that with you guys and, you know, seeing what you think, because sometimes it does sound a bit far-fetched, and it's kind of similar to what I talked about, I think, two episodes ago. When I talked about my views on crime and punishment, I know I didn't exactly talk specifically about crime and punishment, but I did touch on it quite a bit in my two episodes ago. So with regards to free speech, I'm not talking about political correctness because I don't really want to talk about political correctness because there's not really much to say about it. You know, I mean, I guess we can talk about that in terms of free speech, but I want to focus on speech, free speech in terms of the law. You know, what's legal to say and what's not legal to say. I think political correctness does fall into that in that it's legal, but it's insensitive. But I think if something is politically correct or incorrect, it has no real bearing on whether or not it's illegal to say, as to my knowledge. But I think when it comes to free speech, I don't think anyone is a free speech absolutist. But I do believe people should be able to say whatever it is they want. And this includes, you know, Nazi-style language. It includes the N-word, racist language, all of this kind of stuff. I think whatever you can think of that's heinous and hideous to say, I think people should be allowed to say it. Now, what I want people to remember is that free speech is a negative right. So when, you know, you're legally allowed to say something, It doesn't mean the law promotes it or the law says you should say it. The law simply says the government cannot punish you for saying something. I think when you have a position that's talking about the government can't punish you for X, I think it should, like, the examples of what the government can't punish you for, for should be so wide that there can be no doubt that if you say x y or z then you should be allowed to say it now in this country it's not really that way in fact we don't really have much free speech in this country i think i'm pretty sure you can be prosecuted for saying the n-word you can prosecute for using naughty language in fact we actually have some very suspiciously big brother type laws you know laws are border on like sedition which is like the state can be upset by the words you say you can cause harm to the state through your speech we have some very suspicious laws like that which you know, I mean, there are some very interesting cases you see in terms of terror cases where they'll say, you know, someone was prosecuted and sentenced to prison for four years for posting ISIS material online. 
Now, that can get very sketchy because news organisations post ISIS material online, but they're doing it clearly for journalistic purposes, so you wouldn't punish them for it. So I don't really see what the difference is, you know, them saying posting something like that online means you're sympathising with it. To be fair, I don't know the details of all these cases, but I'm just very uncomfortable about stuff like that. I think for me, when it comes to stuff like terrorism, I think there has to be so much proof and so much evidence that this person is actively carrying out, you know, something. Or they're just about to or something for you to be able to stop them. Because you even see cases sometimes where they will use as evidence the fact that the person bought petrol in a can instead of putting it in their car straight away. That means they might be trying to make a bomb and things like that. And I just, that makes me very uncomfortable because we can see where it will go in terms of profiling people of colour or, you know, Muslims or ethnic minorities. So I think in terms of free speech, one of the things some people say to me is, like, oh, so what if you're walking down the street and then someone called you the N-word? What would you do about that? Nothing. I just walk on. Like, who really would stop and start having a full-on conversation with someone and arguing with them about... Why should they shouldn't call you the N-word? Do you think they don't realise that, you know, that word has such an evil historical connotation? Of course they do. But there's no real good that can come of any conversation with someone that stopped on the streets to call you the N-word. That would be a bit like a drunk person bumping into you on the train or something. Would you really start, like, shoving and pushing them and, you know, getting into a verbal confrontation as to why they're not going to apologise for doing that? They're drunk. Just walk on and just ignore it. So, yes, the word is a very evil word, but I'm not going to let the word have such incredible, you know, power over me. Because at the end of the day, it's just a word, you know. It's literally just a combination of letters. Of course, it has incredible historical meaning. But why would I let it, you know, get to me that way? I guess some people just are more affected than it by others. But I think... To make that illegal, then you have to say, for example, the word has to be used in a hurtful, you know, intent. Because, obviously, people use the N-word in movies or books. That's allowed. Or you can be quoting someone. That's that's also allowed. So you have to say for the N-word to be, you know, a crime, which is like, I don't know, a, a hate crime or something. You have to be used in a an aggressive or intentionally hurtful way. Now, how do you quantify someone using the word in an intentionally hurtful way? What if you're reading something that you wrote personally and you said it? What if you just said it, you know, as part of a song? Which is, that kind of gets into the issue of it being PC. And people are like, why people can't say the N-word? But then, you know, there's a reason why they shouldn't be able to say the N-word as it pertains to, you know, what the word means. But when you say stuff like, you know, it, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to say, if a white person says the word, then they're racist, then it kind of almost removes the meaning of the word from them saying it. If someone that doesn't understand the English language just said nigger, they don't even know what it means. You're not going to call them racist, which means that they genuinely believe that, I don't know, let's see if they're white, white people or Europeans or Caucasians are you know, intrinsically better than black people. That's what it means to be racist. So just using a word doesn't equate to you intrinsically believing that a people of a certain origin, not even race, because that's not even a race is not even a thing, you know, are intrinsically better than someone else. That is a huge reach or someone doing blackface that makes them racist. 
again, you have to understand what it means to be racist. First of all, again, I should point out, I don't believe in this whole... It's not I don't believe, it's just not true, the whole idea of race. Race is not a serious human classification. But for you to then say, even if you're going to believe in it and just, you know, for the purposes of this conversation, say, to be racist means to have a genuine belief. You know, you believe this deep in your soul that whatever quote-unquote race you believe in, it's funny people always say quote-unquote, but it really should be quote, race, unquote, but that doesn't even it sound very nice. It doesn't roll off the tongue as much, so we'll just go with quote-unquote race. But that's for you to be racist means you genuinely believe that your race, for whatever reason, is intrinsically better than another person's race. How does saying, just saying a word as part of a song mean you believe that? It doesn't. You know, I'm not saying they should say it. I personally, it doesn't affect me all that much. I don't make the rules on these things. If they want to say it and some people are offended by it, I guess they can understand that. If, you know, they choose to say it and choose not to say it, it doesn't really matter to me. I think sometimes even I personally avoid saying the N words in some songs. I don't even know why. I just sometimes feel like I don't want to say it. Sometimes I feel like I do. It doesn't really, you know, I don't know why I feel that way and when I feel that way. But I don't think someone just saying the word in the context of a song means they have a genuine belief that they as a white person are better than, you know, a black person. Because when you do that, you're almost tokenizing the word. You know, the word is not just racist in and of itself. The word is racist because of, you know, connotations, because of what is being used for, you know. And case in point, black people use the word, you know, to mean a different thing. Of course, white people don't have the same you know, historical context with it. But it shows that a word in and of itself cannot be intrinsically racist. You know, saying this word. When my um, English teacher was reading, um, what's it called? Of Mice and Men. It was in, I think it was, what, year 9 or year 10 it was. He read the N-word. Quentin Tarantino puts the N-word in his, in his, in his um, films. Now, of course, someone can use the N-word and be racist. But you cannot go off, you know, just what they've said as in them using that word in a different context, to then say they're racist. Because sometimes people say stuff when they're angry that they don't exactly mean. Okay, this is not me defending them, but this is just me saying, in terms of free speech, it shouldn't be illegal to use that word. The N-word, the Nazi-style stuff, it all should fall, in my opinion, under protected speech. I don't think you should be prosecuted for saying the word, because... It, it almost becomes, when you actually look at what they're prosecuting you for, it almost becomes unclear. When you talk about the N-word, and you talk about the use of the N-word, even in a hurtful context, so a white person calling me as a black person the N-word, making that a crime. Let's actually just peel back what that means. So by them making, them making that a crime, they're saying that that white person is essentially what hurting my feelings by saying a word, so they're going to prosecute them. Now, think of how flimsy that legal standard is. The crime is you hurt someone's feelings. I can hurt someone's feelings by spitting on the floor as I walk past them. I can hurt someone's feelings by staring at them in a weird way. But you wouldn't make that a crime, would you? So I don't really see how you can say someone uses a word that's hurtful, but really all they've done is upset someone. That's it. That shouldn't be a crime. Because even if someone is genuinely racist that shouldn't be a crime too how people feel shouldn't you can't really make a you know a logical argument that how people feel should be a crime do i want people to be racist of course not 
Would I prefer that, you know, we all get along and we don't hate each other? Of course not. But if someone says, I'm a racist, and then says, okay, I'm a racist, therefore you're a nigger, what, they've tried to hurt my feelings by using a word that has incredibly hurtful historical context. But really and truly, all they try to do is hurt my feelings. That would be the legal standard for which you're making that a crime and punishing them. That is not an acceptable legal standard, in my opinion. If you're going to go around saying every attempt to hurt someone's feelings is a crime, I mean, the, the jails will be full. And I think, in the grand scheme of things, it's such a trivial issue, in my opinion. Of course, there are, you know, when we look at examples of racism that we really should be prosecuting as crimes, I'm th- I mean, I know people are going to say, of course, we can do both. But to me, it's just a, such a huge distraction. You know, I think we all had the debate recently about, you know, if the UK a racist country because, you know, Meghan Markle was being treated a bit mean and et cetera, et cetera. And what I was pointing out was when you talk about racism, we're talking about racism in the fact that Barack Obama drone bombed a 16-year-old American, you know, Yemeni-American citizen, but he wouldn't drone bomb a 16-year-old Italian-American citizen that was hiding up, you know, in a sleepy town in Italy somewhere. That's real racism, you know? Not because someone used a word that is essentially toothless now in the fact that they're just being ignorant. That's just it. That's their crime. They're being ignorant. Okay, now whatever you think of being ignorant, it shouldn't be a crime. When we talk about racism, there's, you know, real examples of racism out there that are even a lot more subconscious. I'm sure Barack Obama will swear he's not a racist. But if you break down what he did in drone bombing American citizens, of course, we condemn all the non-American citizens you drone bombs, the vast majority of which are black and brown, by the way. But I'm just using that example because, you know, it crosses such a line in the sense that even a lot of the previous American, you know, presidents, a lot of them war criminals themselves, were hesitant to do. Barack Obama drone bombed two American, Yemeni American citizens that were in Yemen. In fact, none of them were really, you know, in danger of causing any harm. One was a Muslim cleric. Again, this is a matter of free speech. Someone could be preaching, you know, I feel like, you know, because the US is such an evil empire, you know, we should defend ourselves and fight back, which is actually really legitimate. If you look at the statues of terrorism that the US themselves have on their books, what America does all around the world will be textbook definition of terrorism and inciting hatred if you look at you know the kind of stuff they do in the middle east and supporting you know these you know these um corrupt and evil dictators and you know using um unilateral coercive measures and forms of sanctions to you know engineer change starving whole populations just because they don't like the government those people elected that's terrorism now for him to kill those two people that were brown american citizens I don't know if you guys know the story. Let me just tell you the quick um, situation. So where it was, was um, there was this Muslim cleric called Abdurrahman Al-Alaki. I think that was him or his son was Abdurrahman. But his son was 16 years old. And Barack Obama, you know, put him, first of all, he had a kill list. This, these are the people running our societies. People that have assassination lists. I mean, are these same people? Anyway, he had an assassination list and he put this guy on there. Marked him down for assassination, you know, as you do, normal person in society. And, you know, he had his goons, like a mafia boss, drone bombed the guy from, you know, remotely, 6,000 miles away in Arizona somewhere. And he dropped a drone on this guy's, I don't know, compound or something. And he killed both the guy and his 16 year old son. 
Now, just think about it. If Barack Obama was a soldier in the army and he came across a 16-year-old child soldier that was defenseless, do you think he would actually shoot him? And if he did, do you think he would be prosecuted for war crimes? I think he would. Do you think if this man and his 16-year-old son were, you know, Anthony Soprano and Anthony Soprano Jr. hiding out from, you know, the FBI in a sleepy town in Sicily somewhere? Do you think Barack Obama would order... Uh, that, that town to be drone bombed so he can, you know, kill the guy for the incredible acts of, you know, violence he's committed. Of course he wouldn't. But because they're brown and because no one cares about brown people, Barack Obama did that. Now, Barack Obama has about the same skin colour as these people. But that is the textbook definition of racism. He has used the fact that they're brown to suggest that they somehow don't deserve a due process. They don't deserve anything type of you know protections of the american constitution that every other american citizen is privy to and he was only able to get away with it because they are brown barack obama would never do that to tax of you know any tax evasion people he would never do that to anyone accused of any white collar crimes he explicitly did that exploited the fact that they were brown and arab and no one would care if that's not racism i don't know what is now that's the kind of racism that we should be going after in society. Not the racism of someone calling someone a stupid word that they don't even know what the, mean, the historical meaning is. When we're talking about free speech, and again, what I was saying the other day about this is that a lot of the things that they try to, you know, call hate crimes and, you know, bastardizing society, they're small potatoes compared to, you know, the real acts of violence we have going on. When you talk about the fact that the Nazis are like the most, you know, horrific regime and, you know, Anyone, you know, oh my God, you know, you're far right, you're fascist, you're Nazi, you're X, Y, and Z. I don't know if you guys know this, but Hitler was writing in his book that a lot of the methods and means of apartheid he learnt from the way the Americans segregated the African Americans. So a lot of the most horrific things about Nazi Germany, Hitler learnt from the Americans. These are the same people that was working with the Nazi scientists after... Um, then the Nazis were defeated. Operation Paperclip, you can search it up. The CIA was working with a lot. In fact, they actually helped to smuggle a lot of these Nazis to South America, to Argentina, to Uruguay. So the whole idea that, you know, we had this, you know, incredible moral, you know, war in in nineteen in World War Two and defeated this horrific fascism and Nazism, that was never the case. In fact, the US continued to fund a lot of these um far-right fascists in Italy, in Greece, to help de destroy the left. They would rather have these people than, you know, than the actual left that want to, you know, make everything better for everyone. And we see it in America as well with, you know, the elections going on right now. These people will have rather have Donald Trump win again than do anything, you know, for the left. So I just feel personally, I don't want to get too off track here, but the whole idea of free speech again, as I said, is that the speech is protected. And I and again, when people use the examples of, you know, Nazis and the N-word and stuff like that, laws are there for the people, even the people we don't like. You know, when we have the fact that in our legal system, everyone is afforded, you know, the right to a fair trial by the jury of their peers. It doesn't matter if the person was seen committing the act. It doesn't matter if the person's a rapist or a serial killer or Ted Bundy or just someone that was shoplifting some sweets. The principle of it is, it should be there to protect even the worst of us. 
Now, if someone, you know, is a court-appointed lawyer for a serial killer, are you going to call them, you know, a serial killer defender? You know, they, they love serial killers, you know. They, they're going to bat for serial killers. No, because they're doing their civic duty. The idea of free speech protects people from saying both that Israel is an apartheid state and they're Nazis. Both those speeches should be protected. Now, interestingly, when you actually look at this whole idea of free speech, a lot of, a lot of stuff when it comes to free speech is actually about suppressing the left. So you have um, countries, even our own country, saying BDS should be legal. I don't know if they, they can't really pass a law against it because it would be unconstitutional. But you have in the US, they're passing laws saying that you cannot boycott the state of Israel. Of course, the far right will swear that, you know, they're the ones being silenced. But when you actually look at what they do with free speech, what they actually do is use it to come after the left. So it's a lot of the time, it's very self-defeating to call for these laws to abolish these things, you know, and say, oh, we have to stop those people, you know, being able to say Nazi stuff. We have to stop these people being able to say the N-word because they're going to pretend like that's what the law is about. But really and truly, that law is going to be used to fight the left and the people that really want to change society for the better. You're going to see what you're seeing right now is... Of course, when they want to um, um, announce some surveillance bills, they're going to say, oh, we have to, you know, get new surveillance powers because we have to go after, you know, the terrorists and the extremists and, you know, to fight terrorism. But who, 95%, this is a fact, you can look it up, 95% of, um, of surveillance is actually used against domestic people, environmental campaigners, people protesting climate change, people protesting fracking. People protesting um, nuclear disarmament. People um, supporting the rights of the Palestinian people. So you're playing yourself if you really believe that these laws are going to be there to protect black people like you or minorities or Muslims. That's not what the laws are for. They're going to pretend and use your case, you know, to push the laws in. But then they'll use it against you. It happens every time. So we should be very careful when we start calling for these laws to, you know, to do more to fight terror, to fight hate speech. I hate that word, hate speech. I don't even know what it means. And you also, you often see it in terms of a lot of um, so-called centrists, which, oh God, I, there's nothing I hate more than a centrist or a liberal. We have to do more to fight Islamophobia. I don't even know what that means. Like, what does that actually objectively mean? We have to fight racism. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we fight racism? Do we like, you know, tell everyone that's being racist to shut up? So if you're a racist, when someone tells you to shut up or the government says we've passed a law making it a crime to be racist, all of a sudden you're not racist anymore. It's it's the most empty and meaningless thing in the world. I mean, we can educate people. And first of all, the whole idea of us still using race as a genuine thing when we all know it's a brand of eugenics that has long been discredited. It's part of the problem. Saying someone is racist. Because again, when you say someone's racist, you're inherently s- suggesting that they are different races. Which they're not. If you completely remove that false, fake idea of people's heads, it's almost impossible to be racist. It sounds a bit like um, 1984-ish. But the language just won't exist anymore. Because there is, there is no such thing as race. This is not like a lefty idea. This is a fact. There's no, there's no like inherent distinction between me as a male of African descent and a male Caucasian person that grew up in Europe. There's no distinct differences between us that make them a different race to, to, to me. We're of different origins, we come from different continents, which again, continents are just a relatively new thing in terms of history. 
all of the, you know, there used to be just one singular landmass. So you can't really say someone's even being racist because when you're saying that, you're implying that there are different races. Now, it's not a big jump from saying there are different races to saying one race is better than the other one. You even see this in terms of black people. Some black people say to you, oh, if we're, if we're as smart as Europeans, how come they conquered us and we didn't conquer them? Not because they, I mean, some of them might just think of them as, you know, being inferior. But again, they only say that because they have this false idea that there are somehow inherent differences between us. Of course, when you start to point out to them that, you know, Africans enslaved Africans and Europeans enslaved Europeans, the Romans enslaved the British, you know. This is not a new thing that started in the 1700s. You know, the whole idea of, you know, discriminating because of what people, you know, the differences between people have gone on for a very, very long time. It's just that a lot of the time, some people's, you know, history only begins in the 1700s and they think, you know, the only type of discrimination there is, is like white people being on top and black people being on the bottom. That's absolutely not the case. So when you look at that kind of historical context as well, this is just, you know, another cycle of it. And what we should be doing is trying to educate people and tell them that these differences that these so-called racists and people are trying to create among us, not only are they dumb, they're just not true, you know. Once you point out to them that these differences that they think is true, someone calling me the N-word because they think as a black person I'm a different race and therefore less than because the Europeans occupied my country, the differences they think exist between us don't exist. It, it's, it's the made-up thing, you know. It's a bit like, you know, men and women. Men and women have different physical characteristics, but there's no real distinct difference between them to say that one is better or less than the other. They're just different. That's just it. When you educate people in this way, you have a much better chance, you know, of actually eradicating racism than saying we're going to fight racism. How are we going to do that? By passing laws that make it specifically illegal to be racist or passing laws that are specifically targeted at domestic terrorism or hate speech or you know, all these dumb things, you have to pass a law that makes it specifically a crime to, you know, to commit, you know, hate. I don't know what that means. So let's say a white person killed a black person, but maybe because they were saying the N-word and other type of derogatory stuff, we're going to prosecute them under a specific statute that comes out, that comes, that, that, um, that, that goes after race-based violence. That is com- a complete waste of time. And again, Make no mistake, they will use it against you. These people are not doing these things because they care about you. Because a lot of the time, they're the ones exacerbating these things in the first place. When you look at stuff like terrorism and stuff like that, this is being revealed in government documents time and time again. They've asked the question, why do these people hate us? Why are they trying to you know, bomb our countries? And what they realise is, they're doing it to us because we do it to them. You know? The reason why you see people from Libya and people from Syria and from, from Iraq and Afghanistan committing terrorist acts, why do you think? Because we've committed incredible, you know, amounts of terror to last a lifetime against them. Now, what you're going to say is we're going to make it illegal to, you know, to, to, to sympathise with, with people that say these things. First of all, what they're doing is trying to shut down the legitimate criticisms that these people have. I don't support violence from, from any side, but I'm not going to pretend and say like, oh, I don't support violence, therefore those people are wrong. We're doing it to them first. How hypocritical of me would it, would it be to say that, 
you know, we're doing it to them, but they can't do it to us because I don't support violence. People have a legitimate right that's recognised by the United Nations and by the, the UNHCR Charter to use violence as a legitimate means of defence. Now, if any objective person studied this case, what they will find is that the people of Iraq, the people of Libya, the people of um, Afghanistan, they're well within their rights to be doing violence against the West. Again, if I was in a prominent position, maybe this is going to come back, you know, they, they might arrest me for, for making this blog, but I, maybe, I guess that would kind of prove my point, wouldn't it, ironically? The violence we're doing to them, it pales in comparison to these, you know, suicide attacks, you know, five people dead. Again, I don't want anyone dead, but just think about that. They kill five people and we want to change our laws. We're killing hundreds of thousands of them. We start with sanctions, then just full-on invasion, all for what? Just to make some profit. And then we say, why do they hate us? It must be a crime to sympathise with these people. I will point you guys to, I don't know if you guys know this case of, I think it was the Pulse nightclub shooting. It happened in Orlando, Florida. Pulse nightclub, it was a gay club. The person that did this, uh, committed this, this this act, I think he killed about 49 people. I don't know if, again, it's incredible how this literally managed to go unreported. Because again, if anyone had pointed it out, I'm sure they would call them, you know, terrorist sympathisers. This person called 999 or 911, it was in America, while he was doing this, you know, this despicable act. And they asked him why he was doing it. And he said, I'm doing it to you because of what your country does in the Middle East. Now, if you play this to the American audience, of course, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, that's no, that's no excuse. But the, a lot of people are going to be like, that's understandable. Again, we don't condone any violence, but when we've been doing violence to them for, you know, 70, 80 years... It would be damn very well, you know, hypocritical to say, well, you know, we, we condone violence because now they're doing it back in killing 49 people. The US kill 49 people in the Middle East a day. That's small potatoes. But again, they will try and shut down that kind of speech. And if someone was to write something defending that, they try and arrest them and say, you know, you're, you're promoting hate speech. But how is it hate speech to point out that the violence we're doing to other people, they're just doing back to us? What's hate speech about that? How's that being a terrorist sympathizer? If anything, that's counter-terrorism. But I think, as Noam Chomsky said, when we do it, it's counter-terrorism. When they do it, it's terrorism. Whereas really, we're the terrorists and they're the counter-terrorists. This happens a lot as well when you look at um, the whole Labour, you know, Israel, Palestine, anti-Semitism nonsense. They always say, oh, this person is supporting Hamas. And Hamas, you know, they, they're violent. They should be violent. A country, uh, people are occupying their land. You know, just give people, just give someone any scenario in which someone comes and starts to stay in your house against your will. But every time you try to forcibly remove him, he says, well, you're being violent against me. I'm going to call the police. Yeah, call the police. I have a right to. You're, you're occupying my house. And, you know, he doesn't, it continues for days, weeks, months, years. And, you know, the first they just bring, you know, just themselves. Then they bring their wife. Then they bring their child. Then they bring their TV. Then they disconnect your skybox, you know. Then they bring their own Wi-Fi. How will they react? Israel continues to be... I don't think people understand. The occupation is a continuous form of violence. Even if a day, a week, a month, a year goes by in which no one dies in, in Gaza. No one dies in the, in the occupied West Bank, in East Jerusalem. The fact that the Israelis are living there, that's a continuous act of violence. 
to which the Palestinian people have every right to respond in every way they will. And I just wish left politicians would make this point instead of because if you make this point, you actually have a big better idea of convincing people for your position and to have more sympathy for the Palestinians than immediately condemning the masses' use of violence. The Israelis are the violent ones by virtue of them occupying that land. The Palestinians are defending themselves. So when they say to you, oh yeah, but you know, you've you, you, you refused to condemn Hamas. I'm not going to condemn Hamas. They, they, they have the moral high ground. Theirs is the morally defensible position. And this way you have, again, a better chance of actually convincing people to see the moral position as opposed to just immediately kowtow into the right wing idea that, you know, they use violence, therefore they're intrinsically bad, even though we continue to do violence against them every day. The Israelis are killing about two to three people a day in Gaza right now. You know, they're torturing them as standard. They're polluting their water. Not only are they killing two to three a day, they're shooting a lot more. You know, they're forcibly expelling people from their homes. This is, again, when they started to prosecute the Nazis, this was one of their first crimes. Moving a lot of the native German Jews and moving them to the Warsaw Ghetto. Ethnically cleansing people is a war crime. The Israelis do this as a standard government policy. But when the Palestinians kill one Israeli person, every politician is making the rounds to condemn Hamas's use of violence. But they're not going to mention the daily violence that is ethnically cleansing people from their homes. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the videos of this. It's, 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 it's harrowing. It's hard to listen to. To hear the screams of these people getting kicked out of homes they've lived in for 70, 80, you know, the ancestors have lived there for, you know, five, six, seven hundred years. And they're being removed. But somehow that's not violent. So I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to leave it there. I will be embedding some clips. I think I want to do that more. It does make it more fun to listen to when I embed clips of, you know, of the things I'm talking about. Which means I probably should have, you know, recorded this a bit smarter. That would probably, you know, require a bit more work. But... I hope you've enjoyed that and I hope more importantly you understand why it is that I'm such a you know damn near free speech absolutist. Free speech is a negative right. It's something we should be allowed to do. And when you talk about something you should be allowed to do, there should be an incredible range. Especially in terms of us talking about something the government shouldn't be able to stop you to do. When we talk about stuff like that, it should be more or less anything. Don't think of it in the sense of like, well, I wouldn't say that. It's not about you. You know, we don't have laws on the books like that saying the government can't interfere with your life because of what you might, you know, or might not be doing. You know, the reason we have privacy laws is not because, well, I don't mind the government snooping on me. I'm not a criminal. It's the principle of it. Because first they're going to tell you they're only watching the worst criminals. Then they're going to start watching you. And let's say you want to say something bad about the government. Then they'll start visiting your houses. This is why we have these laws in the first place. And again, as I've pointed out, half of these laws, you know, they're just being hypocrites. Because our countries do way worse than, you know, the small potatoes that these worst of the worst apparently have, have done. You know, objectively speaking, there's no comparison between the British Empire and the Nazi and Nazi Germany. The British Empire is way worse. The American Empire and Nazi Germany, there's no comparison. In fact, the US dropped more bombs on Vietnam for no reason, just for Vietnam just wanting to be free, you know, 
than was dropped in the whole of World War II, combined by every side. You know, these are the people that want us to believe that the Nazis are like, you know, the worst thing that ever existed. Just please don't listen to them. So I want to leave it there, and I hope you guys have enjoyed that, and um, I'll speak to you soon. Deuces.